Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Well, this morning, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Romans. The book of Romans is where we'll be looking today. Romans chapter 9. Let's join together for prayer. Dear gracious Father, Lord, we... We do thank You and praise You so much for the privilege of being in Your house, of worshiping You, glorifying Your holy name, allowing You to enter into our hearts and lives. Lord, we pray that You would bless us as we seek to understand Your holy word and apply Your message, Your uh, direction, Your guidance into our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 9 is is where we're looking. And uh, today I want to look at this passage of Scripture. And and one of the questions that's asked in today's society by a lot of people that uh, frankly have no relationship to God and have no understanding of God, and, and unfortunately sometimes a few that do, they, ha- they ask this question, is God fair? Is God fair? Now our natural inclination is to say, yes, God's fair. God's fair in everything. Uh, but people say, well, but when a rich man gets richer and a poor get poorer, is God fair in that situation, when entire nations like Ethiopia are starving and one half of the world goes to bed hungry each night, and God is the God who owns the cattle of a thousand hills, and there's other people in other nations that have so much food they throw away perfectly good food because they just can't eat it all. Is God fair? Is is it fair when children are wiped out in an automobile accident by a drunk driver and are or are abused by a drunken father and a lazy mother? Is God is the God who works all things out together for good fair? It is uh, when a, a godly man works hard to put food on the table for his family and he works hard and works his fingers to the bone and, and then finds out that uh, his job is being dissolved and wiped out and so he's fired and yet the drug dealer's out there uh, selling his drugs and living in the life of luxury is God fair. when the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only hope for a lost world and yet two billion people have never heard the name of Jesus, is the God who desires that all men to be saved 
and to come to the knowledge of His truth fair. Now that's exactly the question that Paul asks in this passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 9. He's, he's asking that question because he cares for his people. Is God fair? Is God fair? Look with me at verse 10. And this kind of picks up in the middle of a, a conversation, and you know I'm going to tell you what it's all about. But let's, let's get the gist of what he's saying. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It is said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger, and as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion upon whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore have, uh, hath he, he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and, uh, and whom he will have hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doeth he yet find fault? For who hath resisteth his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that re, uh, repliest against God? Shall the things formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endureth with much long-suffering the vessel of wrath fitteth for destruction, and that he hath might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he hath afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Okay. I understand this might be a difficult passage of Scripture for many of you to understand what all's going on, and so I'm going to back up a little bit and explain a little bit of what Paul's uh, trying to get at here. Paul is trying to reach uh, the uh, Jewish brethren that he's writing to in this book of Romans, and he's trying to illustrate to them that they need an understanding of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But many of the people in, in that day, particularly of the Jewish persuasion, said, well, look, you know, we don't have any problem with what you're saying, but here's the whole deal. We're the children of Abraham. We are the, uh, the people of God. We are blessed of God. So we don't need to worry about any of that. We've been born of Abraham. We're the chosen select of God. Basically, their idea was is that, well, because I am uh, a child of Abraham, 
then I am a selective God and therefore God is going to care for me and He's going to save me simply because I'm a child of Abraham. <coughs> now, to my knowledge, none of us are of the Jewish persuasion, so we don't have an understanding of what this is all about. But what Paul was writing here to them about was the fact that, look, just because you are a child of Abraham doesn't make you necessarily select of God. And you need to understand that. And they needed to understand that so that they would understand with and grapple with the understanding that they needed a Savior in Jesus Christ. And that, uh, that whole aspect of being select of God was not about salvation, but was about being the people of God so that God might bless the world through them. But, it, uh, but Paul was trying to help them to understand that being Jewish was not enough. Now, in our today's society, in our, uh, in our world today, I have met people and I have talked to people that when I ask them, uh, tell me, are you a Christian? Are you, uh, do you have a relationship with God? Oh, yes, Brother Carl. I, I was, my parents were devout members of church and they went to church all the time. And, and boy, I was brought up in the church. And, and, and listen, uh, before I was even born, my mama put me on the, on the cradle roll at church. That meant my name was on the roll of the church before I was even born. Yeah, I'm a... <coughs> <coughs> excuse me yeah I have a relationship with God and I would say the same thing to you today that Paul was saying to these people in this book of Romans that he was trying to share with to them just because you were born into a certain family does not make you a child of God just because you were born to parents that were devout Christians and, and devoted to the church and, went and took you to church day in and day out doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you are uh, somebody who, <coughs> who has gone to church most of your life doesn't make you a Christian. Uh, Paul was dealing with people that said, "Look, you know, we we go and we do all the observances in the uh, uh, on the Sabbath. We do all the things, all the rituals. We follow all the things that God's told us to do. We're uh, the seed of Abraham. Of course, we're the select of God. We've got everything covered." That is the same attitude of people today that say, "Look, I I know I." I've uh, been a, a part of, of Mount Olive Baptist Church I, ever since I can remember. I, uh, I've always been a part of that church. I come to church every Sunday. Sure, I'm, I have a relationship with God. And Paul was saying, look, look at the uh, illustration that he gives. He, he starts out in verse uh, 10. He says, uh, look at Rebecca. She had uh, our father Isaac uh, uh, a two children. They were twins. Children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil. Now, what he's saying is, is look, this is before Esau and Jacob were born. Before they were ever born, God came to uh, Rebekah and said, look, your younger son is going to be served by the older son. One I am going to choose over the other. I'm going to choose Jacob over Esau. Esau I hate, Jacob I love. And 
you kind of wonder, well, wait a minute, they haven't been born yet. They haven't done anything outside the womb. They, they're, 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 they're certainly not... <coughs> excuse me. They're not guilty of sin. They're not guilty of doing anything yet because they had... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> they hadn't been born. So how can it be that God loves the one and hates the other? Further, Paul is using an illustration here. <coughs> Excuse me. These are two children that are born uh, not just of the same father, because Ishmael could be clumped in there and said, you know, well, Ishmael had the same father in uh, as well. No, what what he's trying to point out is is look, Jacob and Esau are twins. They come from the same seed. They came from the same egg. Uh, in the uh, uh, biological terms, they came from the same zygote. They, uh, they are, there's nothing uh, <coughs> inherently different from them. Not that uh, they had a different father or anything like that. They are basically, in essence, identical. Okay? And yet, Paul says, look... God selected one over the other. He selected Jacob over Esau to carry the lineage of uh, Abraham, Isaac, uh, down to Jacob. God brought the covenant to Jacob rather than Esau. It was determined before he was even born that Jacob would be favored over Esau, that Jacob would receive the blessing, that Jacob would receive the covenant uh, relationship with God, that God would do everything through Jacob rather than Esau. Now, so he's saying, look, you can't place all your hope and claim in the fact that you are born of Abraham because Esau was born of Abraham. Esau had the same lineage. Esau uh, understood and knew everything just as much as Jacob, and yet God chose Jacob over Esau. And again, Paul is in essence saying, is God fair? Is God fair in this? Look what he says uh, later. He says uh, it, in verse 14, here's the crux to the whole thing. What shall we say then? Is there any unrighteousness with God? Is, and that's basically, in today's vernacular, we would say, is God fair? Is there un it, 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 did God sin in selecting one over the other? Did God sin uh, in loving uh, Jacob and hating Esau? Well, of course not. God did not sin. Paul says, uh, God forbid, and uh, we would say in today's vernacular, uh, of course He is fair. God is fair. God is righteous, and that is why He's fair. Everything that God does is righteous and holy because God is holy. There, if God were to do something unfair, if God was unrighteous, he would cease to be God, which would be an impossibility. Uh, there's no way that God is unfair. So we ask ourselves, how can this be? How is it that we can say that God does this and He's fair? And yet if we do something like that, if we were to have some attitude like that, if we were to have some kind of... of uh, if we were to hate one person over another... 
thank you, sir. Uh, if we were to do anything like that, we would say you're being unfair. You're being uh, not right. You're not doing this in the right way. Well, for one, God is holy. There's nothing that God does that is sinful. Everything that God does and chooses to do, He has uh, the righteousness, He has the authority to do. It is under God's sovereignty. And this is what it all goes back to. God is sovereign. He is able to make these decisions because of His holiness. God is, uh, has the right and the privilege to make these choices because we don't deserve any of it. Jacob didn't deserve to be picked. Abraham didn't deserve to pick. Abraham didn't do anything that made him more special than anyone else for him to deserve the love and, and, and the uh, special relationship that he had with God. He, Abraham didn't go out and, and do anything uh, extraordinary. He didn't live his life in a certain way. He didn't, uh, he didn't commit himself to living in a certain way in order to have the love of God. God came and showed him this love. God established this relationship with him and, and created this covenant between him that was passed down to his uh, son Isaac and then was passed down to Jacob and then passed down to uh, all the descendants of Israel, Jacob, uh, uh, throughout uh, his 12 sons in such a way that it carried on that covenant relationship, not because they lived a certain way, and to put it in today's terms, not because you come to church, not because you live a certain lifestyle, not because you do anything. God demonstrates His love out of His grace, His mercy, His sovereignty. He expressed that love to them because of His desire to bless the world in order to, to provide a Savior, to establish a relationship. It's not because they deserved it any more than anyone else, but that God showed His love. And so it's hard for us to understand. When we do something like that, we're prejudicial. We, we're showing uh, uh, preference one over another because of of some uh, something in our character, something in our we're not uh, we're not holy and righteous. Therefore, if we were to make a decision like that, it would be unfair. But because God is holy, because He is righteous, because He is sovereign, He chooses those things. Because and and here it all goes back to this main one point: God is Creator. God is the one who created all that is. And everything that is, uh, is His because He is the Creator. He is sovereign because of the fact that He is the Creator. And therefore, He has the right to choose. He has the right uh, to do these things. He says uh, in verse 15, He said unto Moses, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion upon those whom I will have compassion. Why? Because God is sovereign. Because God is uh, able to show His love and compassion towards those who, whom He chooses. And what we have to understand is, is that God shows His love and compassion to all. The Bible tells us uh, 
that everybody has sinned. But God demonstrated His love towards us in that He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for all of mankind. Despite of what we have done or haven't done, God has demonstrated His love towards us and that He has given Jesus Christ for us. He goes to an example here with Pharaoh and with Moses as they're going. Uh, the Bible tells us in uh, Exodus about this uh, and about this tension between uh, the people of Israel and the Pharaoh. Remember? It? And it said that uh, God went to Moses said, "Tell Pharaoh my, uh, to release my people. Let them go. Let them uh, let them go out into the wilderness and to worship, uh, and to deliver my people." And God gave Pharaoh a chance, time and time, to to do the right thing, to do the things that God. Uh, uh, told him that he must do. But then the Bible begins to say that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And it sounds in the Scripture as though God is taking the decision out of Pharaoh's heart, out of Pharaoh's control, and God is controlling what Pharaoh has done. But what you have to remember is you have to go back and you have to see that God gave Pharaoh multiple chances to do the things that God had demanded of him, and Pharaoh hardened his own heart. But then it says that God then began to harden the heart of Pharaoh. And, and Paul says, you know, how can this be? He says, look, because God set Pharaoh up as, as king over Egypt, in order to glorify Him, God established Pharaoh and put him in the position that he was in, and God took him out of that position when it was time for God to demonstrate His glory yet again. And so what He's saying is, is that God in His sovereignty gave Pharaoh the opportunity to do as He should, but uh, it was God's choice to put him into, into that place of leadership uh, in order to glorify Himself in that you know, every person that has a position of authority, every person that is king or queen, every person that is a ruler and, uh, of this world was put there by God to glorify God. And when they don't do as they are led to do by God, God can take them out of that leadership position as well. And He can do that in the same way to give Him glory, to give glory to God. And so He says, uh, He says, uh, So it is not of Him that willeth, nor of Him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For in the Scripture said unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose I have raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, that I in my, in my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on him who he will have mercy and on whom he will hardeneth. And so look at verse 19. Thou say then unto me, Why doeth he yet find fault? For who hath resisteth his will? Nay, but unto, uh, nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the things form, say unto him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay, and hath not the same lump to have uh, uh, to make one vessel unto honor and the other unto dishonor? So what we see here is, is that 
uh, Paul is pointing out, secondly, that not only is God sovereign and able to do all things, but God creates us for the purpose of giving Him glory. God, and this is all going uh, to free will. How does man have free will if God directs certain things and, and controls certain things in the world? Well, here's how man has free will in spite of the fact that God directs things. And God uh, sets certain people up and other people He doesn't. It's the whole matter of sin. God gives you the freedom to choose what you will do. God gives you the, uh, the freedom of your will to choose whether or not you'll sin and follow your own way or whether you will follow His way and in obedience. God gives us the ability to serve Him regardless of what circumstance we're in. Uh, let me put this into an illustration here. Um, you have one man over here that God chooses to make, uh, let's say, the President of the United States. And that person is moved throughout that person's life in such a way that they gain experience and knowledge and, and understanding and they get influence and, and develop uh, this uh, air about them that uh, just indicates they're a natural-born leader and then uh, they're elected into office and they're placed into office. Well, uh, then you have another person very similar to the one that was made president that uh, goes throughout all their life. They do everything that uh, in the right way and in the, the right manner and, and they do everything. They gain uh, understanding and knowledge and uh, they wind up becoming a janitor. Now, this fellow over here, people say, well, God put him in, in, as president of the United States so that he might be able to give glory to God and be able to demonstrate the glory of God because of God's movement in his life. And God uh, established him as president in order to be able to glorify God and, and demonstrate all the power and the might of God in every decision that he makes and everything that he does. Well, who says the fellow over here who's the janitor can't glorify God in everything he does, in every way that he does, in everything that he uh, seeks to do. Yes, his influence may not be as broad and, and, and far-reaching as the man who's made president of the United States but, uh, or of any country, uh, but the fellow over here that's janitor, he, he can use everything that God has given him to give the glory of God to to the fullest of his extent and in every way possible so that God might be manifest in his life and glorify, uh, glorify God in everything he does just as much as this fellow over here that's made president. And in fact, this fellow that was made president has the free will to choose how he's going to live and he could be cho uh, choose to make the wrong decisions, uh, do the wrong things, and choose to make the wrong uh, choices in his life and do everything in his power and his might to show, uh, look, uh, rather than glorifying God, to glorify himself and glorify everything that he chooses and yet God still be glorified. And you got the fellow over here that can do the same thing in his job as the custodian. What we have to understand is, is that uh, God gives us the opportunities. God gives us the 
the opportunity to serve Him, to live for Him, and to glorify Him in whatever circumstance we might be. But our lives are moved and directed according to God's will and desire. And the fellow that's over here as the janitor can glorify God just as much as the fellow over here that's made some national leader, or international leader, or whatever it might be. But we can be used of God. What we need to do is, is and what Paul is driving towards is, listen, you can glorify God in whatever position you're in, wherever you find yourself. And remember, God, uh, Paul here is talking to people that, uh, that in th- his day and age, were actual slaves who lived, uh, who were bought and paid for and, and were seen as possession. And Paul's saying, look, you as a slave can magnify God, you can glorify God, just a matter of, uh, it doesn't matter where you find yourself and what station you find yourself, God can be glorified. God has the sovereignty, and he goes to use this, uh, this image of the, the potter. He says, look, the potter takes the clay and he makes one vessel out of this clay and he takes some from the same batch of clay and makes another pot. He can make one pot to be a delicate, ornate uh, piece of, uh, of art that's set up on a pedestal and everyone oohs and ahs at and he makes this other one to be just a simple bowl that's used for, what, uh, for daily purposes and is, is used for the same uh, thing day in and day out. Nothing special about it. Nobody thinks anything about it other than uh, the use for that bowl. He says God is sovereign in that He chooses what He makes of your life. He chooses you uh, and He can choose you to make you into anything uh, that his heart's desire is because why? He's the creator. He's the potter. He's the one who determines in our life what we will be. He is the creator and therefore he has that right to choose. You don't hear, he says, you don't hear the clay looking up to the potter and say, look, you got this all wrong. I was supposed to be a piece of artwork. I was supposed to be a, a pretty vase and here you are, you've made me a common picture. No, you don't hear that. And in the same way, we shouldn't have the arrogance to look up to God and say, Look, God, you made me a common janitor. You made me a common ditch digger. You made me a trash picker upper. You made me into somebody that all they do is is look after horses every day. Or whatever it is that you think of that in your life that you might think is not important. God says uh, the, the, the message here is, is that everyone is important. Everyone is vital. Everyone is essential. We have the choice of how we will allow God to use us. But our, just like when Paul said, look, everybody's not made a nose in the body of Christ. So everybody can't, who would hear if, you, if everybody was wanting to be a nose and sniff? Or everybody's not an eyeball. Otherwise, how could we hear? And everybody's not made to be uh, a world leader. Some of us are made for other things, but in everything, we can glorify God no matter who we are, no matter what position we're in. We're all made to His glory. What if God willing, His wrath was, uh, was shown to us? Look, He says, 
God's, God is showing us grace and mercy. All of us deserve to be completely wiped out. If we had God's wrath shown to us as we deserve, well, none of us would have an existence. But because of God's grace, God's mercy, He's shown towards us, He's allowed some of us to do some things and some of us to do others. So, is God fair? Yes, God is truly fair. God has been more than gracious. His mercy, His grace was shown towards us. His grace and mercy was shown to us through the, uh, the lives of the Israelites to demonstrate to us God's willingness and desire to have a relationship with us. God used the Israelites to demonstrate His mercy and His grace towards us. And that, look, we can look in the Bible and we can see time and again, time and again, how the Israelites failed. And we learn from that. We learn to, to be more faithful in our love towards God, to, to devote ourselves not to, to sin against God, but to realize also that God's grace and God's forgiveness is there for us even when we do mess up, even when we are in the midst of the punishment that we rightly deserve for our sinfulness. God is there to love us and to restore us. God used the Israelites not only to demonstrate His love and grace and mercy, but also used them to bring to us the wonderful gift of Jesus Christ, of uh, God incarnate, of God demonstrating His love towards us on the cross of Calvary in Jesus Christ, taking upon our sins by Him who knew no sin. And so as a result, God was able to use them in a way that Esau and his descendants God did not use. And by the way, they uh, you have to also understand that God had has a knowledge and a wisdom that is beyond our understanding. God knew uh, the life of Esau and knew how they would stray away from God, knew how they would not be the type of people that God desired to use for His purpose. And so, uh, we have to understand this very difficult passage of Scripture that uh, free will, yes, we have free will. God's sovereignty, yes, God is sovereign. He does what He desires and God chooses. Uh, God directs, yes. But we also have a choice of whether or not we will follow Him, whether or not we will be willing to be used of God, whether or not we will serve God. We have free will, but God is sovereign as well, and He chooses whom He chooses. He chooses you. He chooses you to have eternal life. God chooses you. He gave uh, of Himself that all of mankind might know the love of God, that all of mankind might have the opportunity to have Christ in their life. God does uh, select... You are the select. You are selected for salvation. God chooses everyone to have that opportunity. Will you choose Him? Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we praise You and thank You for Your love and we thank You for uh, Your grace and Your mercy. We thank You for Your forgiveness and Your grace. Lord, we pray that You would lead us 
uh, to salvation, Lord, that you lead us to a life of devotion and commitment to you. Lord, a life of glorifying you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.